Hello and welcome to Reformed Podmatics, a weekly podcast hosted by the pastors of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. This podcast exists to promote the vibrant, biblical, and historically informed face of Reformed theology both in our context and beyond. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Reformed Podmatics. I am Pastor Zach. And I'm Pastor Mark. And today we're going to teach you how to be extremely offensive. (laughs) We're going to teach you how to hurt feelings uh, and anger everybody around you. Uh, but all jokes aside, that's not that's not how how we hope to like, go about it. We're taking a turn towards shock jock uh, yes, territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to make everybody <laughs> angry, uh, but we should start by saying thank you to our friend. I guess we can call him our yeah. friend if I use that word loosely enough. Jonathan Ogden, Mark, you've actually corresponded. Yeah. I guess you could call him your friend. I have not talked with Jonathan Ogden, but I do like do like his music. I appreciate it very much. Yeah. Uh, and he is allowing us to. Uh, switch our bumper music. We've already been using his music, but we're going to choose a, a different uh, little different track. Tune, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> in the weeks to come, you may hear a few different uh, options, things that we'll be trying out, uh, and you can let us know what your thoughts are. This will be good for community engagement. You can use... <laughs> yeah. uh, you can email us, or you can use our Facebook page, Reformed Podmatics on Facebook, um, to let us know your thoughts on the bumper music. I know whenever bumper music is changed for podcasts I listen to, it really throws me off for a while. And so we ask for your patience as <laughs> we we just want to you know rearrange the furniture a little bit, yep. keep things uh, interesting. So yeah, we're nearing our hundredth episode, so we figured it's it's time yeah. to update the, the music a little bit. I heard already from one listener that there's some excitement about changing the music. I think okay. it. Um, I, this music is, is still pretty subdued, kind of laid back. We, we want to find some music that captures the tone or the, the mood, you might say, that we want to set here at Reform Podmatics. But, um, yeah, his yeah. music does a good job of that, I think. Yeah, and, uh, and he's a Christian uh, artist. It comes from an album called 24 Hours, I think, um, or 24. Mm-hmm. And it's, there's a lot of sort of beat tape nature to it, very laid back, really good driving music. Um, if you're on a road trip, just... Pop in Jonathan Ogden for a little while and and uh, watch the miles flow by. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's an interesting concept album because it it's called 24, 24 hours, and there's 24 tracks, I think. Yep. One for each hour of the day, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to sort of, each one is kind of representative of the mood at a different part of the day, which, yeah. which is really interesting. At least it's his take on the mood for that part of the day. I'm not so upbeat in the morning, says his album <laughs> makes it out to be. But Yeah, but and hey. then this is uh, the 11th hour, I think, is the new track, and it was the 10th hour for our previous 93 episodes. So just as we say, thank you very much, Jonathan. I don't know if yeah, he's definitely. ever heard the podcast, but keep up the awesome work, um, yeah. worshiping Christ and exalting him and writing great, thoughtful music. And uh, thanks especially for uh, for this uh, opportunity to use your your music, which is very good for the podcast. It's important to us that we wanted to use a Christian artist instead of just buy a, an audio track for $10 from a yeah. website. We thought, well, we, we could do some promotion of some really good stuff yeah. on the podcast. And we really way. appreciate his music and yep. what, he's, what he's trying to do. So definitely go give him a listen. But we should get into yep. the, uh, the rest of the episode. 
Uh, we, we will confess that we have now become Carl Truman fanboys because <laughs> today's episode will be in part, once again, inspired by Dr. Truman, but it will not be really in regards to his book, which we talked about a couple episodes back now. Uh, we'll be talking about a video that came out, I think it was today, the day mm-hmm. of our recording, August 5th, on First Things' is blog. It's called The New Public Liturgy. It's about a half an hour uh, lecture or yeah, video essay, I think a it vi- said. Okay, yeah. video essay is a good way of, of explaining it because he's kind of reading it as he goes. Yeah. Um, but it's a really, really well done video. Uh, pretty good, uh, you could say, film quality. But he talks in this video, among other things, there's, he kind of covers a lot of ground um, about offensiveness, about the the way that certain uses of language can be offensive mm-hmm. and how that is sort of seen as an argument today. Uh, often when people will make an ar- argument or make a case for something, somebody may respond by saying, that offended me. I found that to be hurtful. Uh, that was... that. That hurt my feelings. It did harm. Uh, harm. It, it did term. harm yeah. to me, and so, and this is because, and the re- reason that that response is such a prevalent response is largely because of how our culture has now made our feelings part of our personal identity, and so therefore, if we feel as though we are being offended by something, we feel as though we are being attacked for who we are. Um, and so we can respond but to something that we don't like by saying that was offensive, and that is a way of, of sort of uh, casting aspersions mm-hmm. on the case that is being made. And th- this can go for, for anything. Uh, you can make the case that vanilla ice cream is the best flavor, and somebody may be offended by that, mm-hmm. um, and then they may feel like their feelings are hurt. Uh, I mean, that's kind of a ridiculous example, but yeah, it's uh, in conservative and and uh, yeah, yeah. and progressive or liberal contexts too. Of the, yeah. the the belief that if you have offended me, you must be wrong. Right. I think that that's what Truman was really getting at. Was that's an argument against um, a statement or or position just to say it was offensive. Yeah. Um, and and then he wants to to say, which I think he does correctly. That's actually not an argument against a a statement or an idea just to say that it was offensive. Yeah, it's not a valid rebuttal. Right. Essentially. Yeah. Um, And so we want to talk about just the idea of offensive language um, and how it pertains to the Christian life because we live in a time where it can feel as though we are constantly walking on eggshells. Mm. Um, This is especially true online where people uh, feel like they either can't say anything or they kind of take the opposite approach and just <laughs> kind of rampage and become like the, the keyboard warriors, yeah. you know. Uh, they're just going to say everything as offensively as possible. So we live in a time where there's this uh, interesting polarity between, on, on, where on one side there's the desire to walk on eggshells because you don't want to offend anybody. And then there are there are some who maybe don't care at all about being offensive and just want to let it rip. Especially yeah. with anonymous accounts. On, yeah, oh yeah. On Twitter or Facebook. If You know, I see this a lot on some of the oh, sports man, yeah. pages that I follow on, on Facebook is somebody just going crazy, essentially. And, you know, the username is is Joe Joe the plumber or whatever it ends up being. It's not a real name. Um yeah, or it's but, like some fantasy story character's yeah, name. Yeah, Legolas or something <laughs> like that from yeah. Um and so with that that anonymity, 
yeah. um, people feel the permission. YouTube comments are another example of this. Oh, man. Um, and so just let it rip um, any kind of offensive language against, uh, you know, Ben Shapiro, I noticed I was, uh, don't really pay close attention to him, but um, saw he posted something. I'm like, well, what are people commenting? It was full of anti-Semitism, like hmm. shocking, direct, the Jews want to take take over America, like insanity. Yeah. And so um, I, I was kind of amazed that Facebook actually allowed those comments to exist without, hmm. you know, while also yeah, um, maybe maybe off. turning a blind eye towards um, some other some other things, which which also matter. But um, anyways, done by a lot of anonymous names, and yeah. so people just go looking to make offense. Yeah, on, if I online. could uh, be president for a day and put in an executive order, <laughs> it would be that every account on social media has to have your first and last name. name. <laughs> well, that was the Elon Musk problem. Is he, when he was trying to buy Twitter, and there were so many anonymous accounts, he, you don't even know how many people are actually on Twitter because hmm. there might be one guy with five fake accounts, right? right? Yeah. So anyways, um, the, the point being that caters to a desire to be offensive without any responsibility even. Hmm. Um, and so I, I totally agree with how you, you put it where on one hand there is hypersensitivity mm-hmm. to the point of paralysis where yeah. people feel like i could never even uh talk with my boss about how my transgender coworker makes you know makes me uncomfortable by requiring me to you know uh, say certain things i could never even talk about that because i'm going to get fired yeah. if i bring that up as i'm a hate monger Yep. A bigot uh, uh, who who thinks that way—that's the walking on eggshells scenario. Yep. I would guess happening a lot on college campuses, um, things like Certain that. Workplaces, workplaces, city workplaces, industries in particular. Yeah, and and on the other hand, you have this outlet of um, profanity, insults. Um, it, it's mm-hmm. a it's a weird whiplash actually to look yeah. to, to one into one culture and the other, but it's they're both. present themes and so in this podcast we want to talk about how does the christian um make offense how are we offensive naturally to a sinful world to the sinful mind to people with sinful desires um without making unnecessary offense so uh, that's why we've titled it how to be offensive because um, we want to avoid both extremes really yeah uh by just withdrawing into a hermitage <laughs> and uh, just talking about spiritual things in church for a little while on Sunday, um, and, ver- that versus just kind of letting it fly. You know, um, a lot of people love that about Donald Trump was his political incorrectness. And man, it w- that made people feel powerful mm-hmm. because he was, he was just going to insult those Democrats and just, or, or Ted Cruz yeah. or whoever, John McCain, you know, um, he was just going to tell it like it is. And that appealed to a lot of people, mm-hmm. but oh, yeah. honestly, it should not appeal to a Christian. It really should not. Yeah. And so um, h- how do we avoid that extreme um, of unnecessary offensiveness and the extreme of withdrawal and, and intellectual paralysis? I would start by giving maybe three quick responses three three quick <laughs> quick rules for for how to offend first the first rule is never try to offend right if you're trying to offend people that's a problem 
uh, or if you're saying something, even though your your real main reason for saying it is not to offend, but you're kind of excited about, oh, this is going to offend people, and I'm excited for that. That's a problem. You should probably think about what you're going to say and rephrase it, reframe it. Maybe don't even say it hmm. at all. Um, uh, another thing would be to speak Christianly always. Um, that 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 way, if you do offend people, you're you're at least off- offending them for the right reasons. And when I yeah. say speak Christianly, I use that weird word Christianly in order to say the content should be Christian content. It should be content that is honoring to God. It sort of fits the test of Philippians 4, uh, whatever is honorable, whatever is good, whatever is profitable, profitable, all those different things that Paul Paul lists there. It should fall under those. Third rule is that you have to realize you're going to offend people. In this world, we live in a world where people are going to get offended no matter what you say or don't say. So you just said, Mark, about we could pull away into our hermitage and just speak about spiritual things. Even that's going to still yeah, offend people. That's true. Yeah. Everything is offensive in the world in which we currently live in. Um, and there's a sort of currency to being offended. And maybe mm. that's part of the reason uh, there's there's a need in some ways to be offended. And so. Yeah, to claim a victim status. Right. And so yeah. that kind of helps with trying to uh, move your desires along, move your agenda along, what you see as like should be the right way things are done. It kind of helps if you can say, oh, I'm offended by what you're saying. Yeah. Because then again, as we've said, you can begin to to silence people. So mm-hmm. those those three rules, I think, are, are helpful in getting us on the track here. What would be some things you would say to someone who is wondering how to be and how not to be offensive? Well, I, I really like that point about recognizing that truth can offend and just accepting that reality. Um, we find that a lot in the Bible. In the prophetic literature of the Old Testament, certainly in Jesus' ministry, um, and also, of course, in uh, the New Testament Church, and even till today, there are beliefs that Christians hold to, and things that a Christian must say that will offend the sinner, um, will, uh, will, will, will kind of poke at mm-hmm. um, some and not not in a sadistic way but will uh, prompt the the sinful person to be deeply introspective which might not be something they they want to do or are used to doing mm-hmm. uh, to examine their life all the the muck and the grime in their life and uh, that could be perceived as offensive um, we were talking earlier in a different conversation Zach and I about this um, this new trend towards uh, making sure that no harm happens in a church. And that's a good impulse. We don't want totally. harm, harm to happen in a church, but what does that mean to some people? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if we want to think from a very litigious perspective, um, it, it could seem like nobody should ever be offended in a church. Um, or rebuked, or right. um, sort of called out in a in a in a powerful way. And so, just in, in our conversation, I asked, "Well, would a surgeon have to promise to never harm anyone?" Huh. Well, um, the surgeon does not want to cut people up. 
I mean, yeah. does, doesn't just want to do that for a sadistic purpose. We hope not. But yeah, no, it would be terrible. <laughs> you should not be a surgeon, and you should not be a pastor if you enjoy harming people yeah. with with um, the word of God. But I don't. Does a surgeon harm this person in our church who's going to need heart surgery on Monday? Hmm. Yeah, he, he he does harm him in He's a way. He, into he cuts his his chest, his chest open and yeah. and does heart surgery on him and. We're thankful for that, the work of that surgeon. And so um, he's going to be sore for a, a while after that. But that, that surgery that the surgeon does is a, a necessary offense, you might say, a physical offense in a way, yeah. that is getting to the problem. And the, the ultimate hope is, is, is restoration, is healing. Mm-hmm. Is, um, and, and so that, that incision is an, actually an act of love. Yeah. And um, and so we see that again. We do see that in the Bible, but that's not how it will always be interpreted. Um, I, I keep thinking about Second Corinthians two in this regard, where um, uh, during our denominational discussions around sexuality, it is so often claimed that um, this will not be received well by. Um, people who are in the world and who, who disagree with our biblical ethic of sexuality, they will hate what we have to say. And so that's regarded as a good argument. But um, I think in 2 Corinthians 2 it says, that'll happen. That will happen when we, when we speak the Word yeah. of God. Um, and I'll, I'll just read from 2 Corinthians 2, um, and it sounds like Paul is okay with recognizing the gospel will offend some. He says, we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. So um, Paul is saying, we will smell like Jesus among uh, to people who love that smell and to people who hate that smell. And so he says, to one we are the smell of death. That's offensive. Mm-hmm. To the other, we are the fragrance of life. And um, that that passage is keeps coming to mind. We should be the smell of a fragrance of life, the aroma, a pleasing aroma to mm-hmm. those who are born again. And we should not delight in being an unpleasing aroma to the person who is not born again. But that passage clearly says we will be stinky, yeah, to, and and offensive to to the worldly person. This is because people's ideas of what is offensive are very different. Yeah. And this is to go back to the word harm. It's a really fascinating thought image to use that the idea of a surgeon because um, harm. When we speak of that today, of course, everybody can kind of agree that physical harm yeah. is wrong, right? You can't beat someone up. Yeah, if you punch somebody <laughs> at church, that's doing physical harm to them. Yeah. That's not okay. Under any even there, it could be done in uh, self-defense, I guess, right? So <laughs> yeah. the, makes it relative. So, but what what we're <laughs> what is usually discussed when we talk about harm is more, more mental, yeah. emotional. Uh, you could say psychological harm, in, internal harm. Um, and what's interesting about this is this goes to the whole conversation about mental health, which is a, a it's a good thing. We want to be mentally healthy, but one of my questions I always wrestle with is. What is mm-hmm. mental health? Who gets to define what mental healthiness is? Um, <laughs> is mental health uh, that state you arrive in when you are able to do whatever you want and to feel totally unrestrained and you're feeling happy about feeling unrestrained and you can 
you can choose however you want to live and do whatever you you want or is mental health the state of not feeling uh, oppression is it the state of not feeling repression like you have to repress something inside yourself Um, is it so here's a question is it mentally unhealthy to feel guilty for Mm. having done something wrong um Somebody would say, "Yeah, if you're the Christian, if somebody feels guilty for (laughs) committing a sexual sin, for example, um, Freud might say they're mentally unhealthy because they shouldn't be feeling bad. They're 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 being repressed, and so they're mentally unhealthy because of this." Whereas the Christian might say, "Actually, that's a sign of mental health that Mm. they're feeling this guilt and wanting to turn from it, maybe, and turn to Christ. That that's that would be mental health." Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good thing to and feel so that way. Yeah. an interesting thing when it comes to is the surgeon doing harm I, I think of maybe a surgeon who's doing a, tra- a gender transition surgery um, are they doing harm well this is a huge debate of course yeah. uh, some would say absolutely not they're not they're not doing any harm because they're doing that which will lead to quote unquote health for the person who is seeking this surgery. Whereas somebody on the other side would say, no, they're actually, the surgeon is doing them great harm. They are removing organs. They're removing parts of this person's body that are natural parts of their body that they should keep. And so who is defining health in that scenario? Uh, that, that leads to a grand question. Well, what is mental health? I'm all for yeah. mental health, but we must define what mental health is according to God's word. Um, yeah, if it's sort of a superficial happiness, yeah, then we have a problem. Just a feeling um, of, uh, of reaching nirvana or reaching a self-actualization. Uh, yeah, and uh, and so that it's a it's a good thing for every Christian to think about, especially you know parents with their children. <laughs> um, yeah. Is it your goal to keep your kids happy all the time? Well, if that's the goal, you're actually not going to be a very good parent because yes, they right. they will be walking towards busy streets and putting things in their mouth that they shouldn't and not eating their vegetables and yeah. not cleaning their room. And sometimes you have to offend mm-hmm. them uh, in, in that way of, of laying down a law for them, which would be good. And it, it's even a, a gift from the Spirit that they would feel guilty for that bad thing they were about to do or have already done. And so um, I I guess in this episode, we just want to call Christians to embrace the the truth um, and to do so and speak it tactfully um, with wisdom, but to do so unashamedly. So a, a a place that that happens in the Bible is in 1 Kings 22, and um, I really love this story. I, I preached on this story uh, about a year ago, uh, maybe a year and a half ago or so. And um, there's even a baby in our church named Micaiah now as a result of, of this story. And uh, uh, Seth and Amber, if you're listening, um, <laughs> it's a special story I know to you guys. Um, and, and so it is the story of the prophet Micaiah, who was sort of known as an offensive prophet. Yeah. Um, so King Ahab has this problem, and he's talking with king of the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, and they're saying, well, how can we find out what we should do here? And Jehoshaphat says, well, there's this guy, Micaiah, who we should go talk to. He's a prophet mm-hmm. of the Lord. And King Ahab says this, I hate him because he never <laughs> prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. 
meaning uh, what he says about me, Ahab and all of his sin, is it doesn't make me feel very good about myself. Yeah. And so Ahab essentially is saying, I'm not going to ask him the question because mm-hmm. I know that he's going to tell me the truth, unlike my my yes men prophets. Yep. You know, it's interesting how he, he correlates truth with bad. Right, here. with feelings. With, with, it with makes feelings. me feel bad. Yeah. It's a very modern statement in this sense. It, it is. And then uh, I love verse 14 of 1 Kings 22, where they go to Micaiah and they're like, now, are you going to tell us Something good or something bad? What, what's this going to look like? And Micaiah says, as surely as the Lord lives, I can only say what the Lord tells me. Yeah, and he tells him that he's going to die. Yeah, and, uh, and so he just says, I have to tell you the truth. Yeah, Whether or not it makes you feel good, um, the, the word of, of God must be said, must be spoken. Mm-hmm. And, and so he, he does say just that, uh, gives the word of God to uh, King Ahab, and it's it's not a it's not an encouraging word, and so yeah. um, I think that's an example. Along with you think of Jesus' example in John six, where he's teaching about um, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood if you want any life within you. Um, if you don't do this, there is no life in you. And right after that, it says many were offended and and walked away. Yeah. And that's offensive um, speech in that time period yeah. because drinking. Blood, the blood of a human, oh. that is a huge moral Eating no-no flesh, yeah. for uh, for ancient Jews and for Jews even to this day. Yeah. <clears throat> and so that would have been, it would have gone against the, you could say, moral orthodoxy of the day. Jesus in that way was very offensive. That's why he, he says in Matthew 11, for example, that blessed are those who are not offended by me. Yeah. Uh, because many people were offended by him because he... Uh, was seen to be going against, to be a rebel against the uh, the strict interpretation of the law according to mm. the Pharisees, for example. And so he would have offended their moral orthodoxies. And that's really where offense happens, is where, is where a certain set of people have a moral orthodoxy, a set of morality beliefs that are so entrenched and ingrained in their group anything that goes against it is seen to be extremely offensive. And there are going to be times where Christian morality goes up against Mm. other forms of morality. That is just a given in our world. But this Mm. does not mean that we ever have license to be offensive on purpose. It doesn't mean that we ever have license to just speak the truth. I think a lot of people think that, well, if if there's a polarity between (laughs) speaking the truth in love... It's better to speak the truth than no truth at all, and so when someone asks you if the meal was good, you, get, you know, and, and you didn't really like it, it's just as important yeah. to speak the truth as it is to do so in love. I yeah. think we set those two up against each other. So a lot of conservative Christians will think, well, speaking the truth is the main thing, yeah, and it's bonus points if you can do it in love. <laughs> um, whereas I. I I think the scriptures teach us that, no, we must do both of those things. Just as important as speaking the truth is speaking the truth in love. Um, And so a lot of people in our world are okay with being excessively offensive when they shouldn't be. We're told in Romans 12, for example, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with all. Mm -hmm. And so we should be the kind of people who who watch what we say, not because we're walking on eggshells, not because we're wanting to not offend people or upset people, 
but simply because we want to do what our Lord commands in His Word, uh, we we should we should be, want to be truth speakers like Micaiah, uh, but we should also not be seeking to do it in a way that's going to be like a gotcha. I used to watch yeah. the, several years ago. I had a roommate, and him and I would watch. I uh, forget what the series was called. There was somebody on YouTube who had taken Ben Shapiro clips, uh, speaking of, of <laughs> Ben Shapiro and offensive, <laughs> yeah. um, and it was called, I think it was called Ben Shapiro Thug Life. These videos may still be on the on the internet, on YouTube, um, and it was all just quick clips of Ben Shapiro basically laying the smackdown on somebody. Now, Ben Shapiro wasn't, maybe it's debatable, wasn't being incredibly offensive. Sometimes he'll get mm-hmm. a little snarky, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but the video would just, it would it was freeze frame. The uh, hip-hop beat would come the, on. The digi sunglasses. And the sunglasses would come down. <laughs> and they're usually like a little cigar in his mouth or something like that. Uh, and it was just like, the whole point of the video was like feeling good about Ben Shapiro owning the the, the dumb people who don't yeah. think like me. Yeah. Uh, and then you'd kind of get it like a little like sense of, oh man, yeah. He got them. Got yeah. those people. Yeah. That is not a good thing. And I think <laughs> Christians, particularly conservative Christians, really do need to make war with those sorts of uh, deeply ingrained desires that we have to s- sort of stick it to the man. Mm. Um, that's that's not okay. Yeah. Um, Jesus, <laughs> he, we're told, was silent. Uh, uh, and we see this in the Gospels. That's what Isaiah 53 is. Uh, like a sheep before its shearers is silent, so will he be. Um, and blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be right. called sons of God. And so we should. And the meek. Yeah, and and that that and that gets to the point of, I guess the next point I wanted to make of, uh, our speech should make peace. Yeah. So, um, just like the surgeon wants healing for people. Yep. And um, at times, peace a peacemaker will say an offensive thing and stay in relationship with someone, uh, mm-hmm. walk alongside as something is worked out. Uh, that's that's going to be us as ministers, as preachers. Yeah. At times, are saying things that are offensive. They're going to cut and You're going um, to in- make an incision. Yeah, and and to to complement our church, I think that where a church really wants to hear God's word and where they see the offense is actually coming from the word and the spirit is yeah. applying to their heart and to their their lives um a, a good church will be open to that actually and and I've gotten very very ne- little negative feedback about yeah. you said that and it offended me um and and I, I hope to continue in showing that the offense is coming from the word and it's not now I, yeah. I have failed at this at times as a minister and been not as careful as I should have with maybe certain issues. But um, if, if a church can see and if they can trust their pastor, yeah, um, I, don't, I don't feel so good about this, and I think it actually might be the Spirit making me feel convicted of my sin. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's like a huge win for the kingdom of God. Yeah. Um, but on the other side, you do have those, those scenarios where the offense is not actually coming from the Word of God, and it's actually coming from a very cultural interpretation of um, what we should or shouldn't be doing, how we should be voting, how we should be talking about political things. Uh, perhaps I've already done that in in this um, podcast by by talking about Trump. I don't think so because I think there is. Um, I, I guess I would say I'm willing to offend 
um, and correct that impulse that some people want to have in delighting in the offense that he makes of other people. I think that that is unchristian to delight in his insults that he throws at Mm -hmm. Ted Cruz or Crooked Hillary or, you know, whatever else names he comes up with, Sleepy Joe Biden or something. And so a Christian should not delight in those things. And I base that on the Word of God, not on my political views, Mm -hmm. um, whether or not I like Trump. You know, it's just something that's that's from God's Word. And so um, where people can see the minister is using the Word to correct, I I would guess they would grow in trust for that person. Um, Mm. But there will be then those people who don't even care whether it comes from the Word or not, and they'll just be offended and... We just have to take that risk at times. Yeah, there's a few things I think in response. That was really thoughtful. Um, One thing is that we can see the the sort of the gravity of offense from the pulpit. And Mm. it can be used in really harmful ways. It can really harm people. It can be spiritual abuse that does happen. Um, I don't really know of it in really our neck of the woods in any, at least any super overt way. But I have heard several stories of churches that I've had friends who have gone to where the pastor is doing straight up spiritually abusive things from the pulpit, uh, calling people out by name in front of everyone, hanging out their sins to dry um, and sort of manipulating them. But another thing I think of too, in all of this is we, we as people who come and sit to hear a sermon, the average person in the pew, the congregant uh, who comes to to listen every Sunday, should be hoping to come to church and should be hoping for themselves to be offended. Yeah. Preacher, offend me. <laughs> Not preacher, offend those outside this building. Let's yeah. talk about the bad people out there and the way that everybody else is bad. You should say, start with me. Offend me. We're call call yeah. my out. Call my sin out. Lay me bare. Yeah. I'm, I'm not here to call out the sin of others. I don't, we shouldn't want to, to hear our pastor rip on those outside the church. There may be times where that is is necessary. I'm, I'm not saying that the pastor cannot do that. I've certainly talked about the way our society thinks on things. Mm-hmm. Um, but we should be desiring as, as congregation, as members of our congregations, to be offended first and foremost. Yeah, to be open, open to rebuke. Um, if we really believe what the Bible says, it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, yeah, and training in righteousness. That's when I, I say this a lot from the pulpit. When we open our Bibles, we should hope for just what you said. Um, show me, Lord, if there is any hidden sin within me. Yeah, you know, like the psalmist says, um, "Teach me your way," and, and I want to walk in that way. So. Um, no, I, I would, I would say that there is just as we start to wrap up, um, there are ways we have to search our hearts about this, and, and, and in a way, we we need to trust the spirit here too. Where hmm. if if somebody is sensing, I have not been courageous, and I need to speak an offensive word, um, the spirit could prompt you to know when that happens. The other person may say. No, I, I actually delight in offense too much, and so mm-hmm. therefore I need to repent of that. I, I really like those shows on Fox News or MSNBC mm-hmm. where they just rip the Republicans or the Democrats, and I get that dopamine kick and that adrenaline kick when yeah, that happens, yeah. and I like how that feels. Um, that's sin. Yeah. And that, that is not 
in accordance with God's word, Hebrews 12, verse 14, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So um, th- that's that's what we strive for, not so much to uh, to win a political argument by making a powerful statement, which could be offensive, um, or even a theological argument by making a powerful takedown statement, mm-hmm. um, but to, to show love at times by speaking... Um, a truthful word that we hope will heal, will bring that healing. Um, yeah. As we, we think again about the, the surgery analogy, uh, I can't help but think how a relationship is like the anesthetic for that surgery. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a close relationship with somebody who you are um, going to speak a difficult word to, then your love for them and your history with that person is like an anesthetic to actually lessen the the pain of that incision um, mm-hmm. that it's going to make. And um, we can be thankful for those close relationships. And often it is those relationships that are the context for um, some of those um, words of rebuke to be said, like between a husband and a wife. It, the relationship and the love mm-hmm. they have for each other can be like an anesthetic in, uh, against the, the feeling of offense. Yeah, um, totally. And the Lord can actually bring a lot of spiritual growth through repentance, through um, uh, contrition, you know, a desire to change, desire to help one another through sin, and uh, that's the Christian life in a lot of ways. In community, um, Christian marriage, it's life in the church. It is opening ourselves up to offense, but to people who we know actually love us and, yeah. and want us to be well. So, um, and yeah. going further, even a little bit. You could extend the analogy even more. There's a recovery after the incision. After the surgery yeah. happens, a, 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 <laughs> a surgeon has to put them back together. Yeah, they have to and they have to stitch things up, and they have to. There's a recovery process that then begins. And so, when somebody's offended, we don't just drop the bomb and and, and head out. Right. <laughs> uh, we we stick around. We stay with them. We we are patient with them. We endure with them, and we we help them as much as we can to get back on the road to recovery. This is what. Galatians 2, or 6, sorry, 6 verse 1 and 2, uh, teach us to do, to carry one another's burdens, and those who are spiritual are to restore those who are caught in sin. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to do so with gentleness. call them out, but to do yeah. so with a spirit of gentleness. Yeah. Um, and so and that's going to be a process. That's not just, hey, you're sinning, stop doing that. It's, hey, let's, let's walk alongside each other now. This is going to take pr- probably some time, yeah. depending on the situation. And I'm going to be here for you. I'm in this with you. I am you and you are me. We are one because we're in Christ. Yeah, and maybe that's a really good final little instruction is um, if, if you're thinking an offensive thing, like um, somebody that you're talking with is just way out there, um, ask yourself, do I have a relationship with this person that will enable me to walk alongside them when I say this, this um, rebuke? When, when I offer a correction to them. And if the answer is, no, I hardly know this person, then it, it may be wise in that scenario to, mm. to not speak. Um, it could be wise if the offense is great enough to speak and to say, you can't say that about the Lord. You can't, uh, you know, that, can't that, that to someone. You, you can't, that is, that is wrong what you're doing. Um, but in the general course of, of our events, I would say it's more likely. Uh, within a workplace, in a family, in church, um, 
if, if you know someone and you're close with them, to take that risk of saying, I, I saw this and I know it hurts you for me to point this out, but I'm here to help you walk through it. Hmm. Here is the truth of what God's Word says, and I think you need to live in line more closely with God's truth. Um, that could feel offensive, but I think at, in community we have to take that risk. Yeah. So, so we, we hope that you have learned to offend well uh, <laughs> uh, and to do, to do it in a way that is, as I said earlier, Christianly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we thank you guys for listening to this episode. It's been a really fun journey. Do let us know what you think of the, the new bumper music. Here it comes. Uh, because we want to hear some <laughs> opinions that aren't just our own. So. Yeah. Of- feel free to offend and say, Mark, you have picked <laughs> terrible elevator music in Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> but do be mindful not to offend Jonathan Ogden. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, yes. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week. Grace right. and peace. Bye.